As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Late night Midnight on the interstate And I didn't feel so great Until I saw the city Welcome back to Straight from the Source with Michael Russo Uh... Repeat customer, you're a rare one. You and LaPanta and maybe Dan Myers, my only repeat customer so far on the Straight from the Source app. Uh, welcome to Ryan Carter. How are you? Oh, I'm great. Thanks for having me again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think so, you were number two, right? Wasn't Bruce Boudreaux one? Number one, number two. And you two. were number two. Okay. So, Has he been a repeat? He's been on yeah, a couple uh, of Yeah, he's been. No, you're right. Bruce has been a repeat. Yeah, Bruce so. is like my go-to. I'm like, oh my God, I have nobody. Can you come on? And he's like, yeah. Well, he's so entertaining. doesn't matter what you're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Not only that, you're the first person I've done a face-to-face podcast with since Anaheim on March like 8th or 9th. When it was Kevin Gorg, Dan Myers on a couch at the uh, Westin in uh, Costa Mesa, I think it was. Yeah. And then you showed up and you sat between them, and it was the greatest picture ever. You just between Dan Myers and Gorg. Yeah, no, I photobombed that one for sure. Huh? <laughs> Jeez, that was, that was the last one you did that in person. Was, the rest have been like on Clean Feed, which is like this app that my producer Jeff Domet uses. So that must have been like right around March 1st. Yeah, it was like March like 8th. It was, 8th. The, it was the day of the Ducks game. Yeah. So the day that and I remember we were talking on the podcast, Dan Myers and I were talking about like how the league might have to go to no fans in the crowd. And I said, no chance. They'll never do it. And next thing you know, not only didn't they do that, they stopped the league. I can remember this is this was bizarre. We were in San Jose a couple nights before Mm -hmm. that. And uh, I think it was the. I don't know. Was it the health the, department? Yeah, the yeah. health department or the county said. Yeah, the county we don't health recommend department. you assembling in groups more than a thousand. Yeah, 
And I was I was like making a joke of it. I was like, no way they'd yep. shut down a game, yeah. an, an NHL hockey game for a virus. And then like two weeks later, everything was stopped. Yeah, it I mean, was it crazy. Was, yeah, it was bizarre. Did you, I can't remember, did you go to the Barracuda game the night before the game where there was there was like 10 people in the stands? And I remember making a joke in the press box. I'm like, oh, they must have all learned about the Santa Clara Health Department saying that they needed a social distance. Yeah. And again, like... I remember that the, the health department comes out with this edict that they recommended that the the Sharks and that the NHL cancel the Sharks Wild game, and I emailed the league, and within two seconds they wrote me back and said we're not canceling the game. And uh, you just think about how long ago that was, like where the league just made a decision, split decision. No, we're not listening to them. Yeah, now look at them and how fast things evolved. I I was being facetious, and I said maybe I should because I was broadcasting that game. Yeah, maybe I should wear a mask. I, you know, and like. As it being a joke, and yeah. I understand how insensitive it was at the time. Now, yep. now it's like, hey, that would have been, that would have been a good move to wear a mask exactly. at that moment. Especially, we were sort of at that time at ground zero of this. I mean, it was, you know, in in that area, it was, it was, it was starting to be a hotbed. And actually, the way that San Jose and San Francisco handled this pandemic, it's the reason why they really at that time had no issues. Is that they they really got their message across right away. Yeah, it's crazy. It was coming in, and we were running away from it, so that was good. I was happy about that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so wanted to ask you, uh, and by the way, we're coming to you from Delwood Country Club, which is, uh, this is actually where I met, it was right around the corner from here is where I met with Bruce Boudreaux two days after he was fired with the Wild and did that story from here. Yeah. Um, but you say you actually uh, you actually golf out here sometimes, and you've, you've ridden their little motor scooters. I did. This is a stone's throw from my house. I usually don't get out to these prestigious golf courses where you belong <laughs> and stuff, but... Every once in a while, somebody will throw me a bone. So, uh, yeah, I did get an invite to come out and play. And, uh, yeah, so I, I show up, and they're like, you want to take a cart or do you want to take one of these motorbikes? I was like, a motorbike? And it looks like a motorcycle. Yeah. I'll send you a picture. It looks like a motorcycle, but you put your clubs, like, uh, like kind of be yes. between your legs, yep. and then they point out towards the front of the bike, and then that's your cart. So you just have your own single cart. The thing flew. I mean, it was the fastest round of golf I've played all year. <laughs> uh, it was awesome. And it is fun. Just uh, I mostly watch people do it. I would never do it. I'd kill myself. But uh, but y you you probably got to be really careful about having a couple pops during your round if you're riding those. Some of these older guys on there. Yeah, you got to be careful. And then the kickstand is uh, it's like a driver head, so you got to make sure you're on level ground too. But I was flying around. You ever see the Harley drivers? How <laughs> they have the signal to each other yeah. where they just throw the two fingers out with the left hand yeah. there and just hey i was doing that to every cart we were flying by like two fingers down hey it was that's awesome, hilarious yeah, yeah so. it's it's nice out here it's just yeah i mean especially gorgeous during the winter time so um so ryan just want to ask you first of all we've um let's actually get right to kaprizov um i was just talking as i was driving you i was just talking to jared spurgeon on the phone i'm going to do a story on this it's unbelievable. For the last two months, this kid, uh, Spurge, meaning this kid, uh, he's not a kid anymore. He looks like it, though. Yeah, he looks like it. he's 30 years old. Um, With four kids. For two months in, on Instagram, he's been messaging back and forth with Kaprizov, him writing in Russian, Kaprizov writing in English. And he and he's just like, yeah, I just wanted to make him feel comfortable because I just knew that if he were in a, I remembered when I got to development camp my first year with the Wild in 2010 before I signed, how nervous I was. And I just thought it would be great for this guy to know that he already has somebody that he's friends with on this team. I mean, well, first of all, what's that say about Spurge? Well, well, one, yeah, Spurge, I mean, he's a great hockey player, but 
and this is cliche, people say this all the time, but he's a better person. Like he's, he's socially and I would say emotionally intelligent too. Like he's not the loudest voice in the locker room, but I mean, he's reading things all the time and he understands people and where they're coming from and he's got children. So, I mean, he's aware of, of thinking about other people, how they're feeling and bringing them along. So, um, but it does say a lot too. And, you know, I think, I'd have to think that him getting this long-term deal maybe makes him a little bit more comfortable yeah. now where maybe he didn't feel that acting like that would maybe be his place before this deal. But when you know you're going to be somewhere for seven years and you got a young guy coming in like Kaprizov as well from a different country and you know what it's like to be the guy that's placed on a squad that maybe isn't there off the bat or included or know anybody. Um, so, yeah, that, that familiarity and, and the confidence knowing that he's got seven years left on it or whatever it is, um, you know, I think that goes a long way. But certainly, I mean, he's one of the guys that's going to be leaned on to be a leader. He is on the ice. Now you, set, you see that starting to translate off the ice. And it is, uh, it's interesting. Like he, you know, as you mentioned, you know, richest AAV in Minnesota wild history um, where we just never saw this type of leadership from him. Now we're seeing it over and over again with him. By the way, he's been a repeat customer. He's been on my podcast twice, actually, since the pandemic started. Once him solo, the other with JT Brown, Eustace King, and Dr. Boyd, oh, nice. uh, Joel Boyd. So it was fun. Um, but it says, it, I mean, do you, do you think this is the type of thing that even Billy Guerin's going to kind of recognize uh, when Miko Koivu eventually retires, that he's going to look at guys like him and another player that's been in touch with, uh, with uh, Kaprizov as well, Marcus Foligno, as being potential captain material? Yeah, I mean, obviously there's going to have to be something there, um, you know, but how how fitting is this? Spurgeon, he leads in such a Spurgeon way too, which <laughs> I, I think I think is a, it's a good thing. Like it's, it's quiet. It's behind the scenes. He's not out there like saying, hey, I'm helping Kaprizov feel comfortable. He does it quietly in his own way in a direct message on Instagram. You know, like he's kind of an unsung hero on the ice. Like his game is quiet, but if you really focus on it, it's loud. And I, I think that will be similar in situations like that uh, where he helps the team in, in a leadership role. It's quiet too, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't, it doesn't have a ton of value or a ton of meaning. But I, I'd certainly think that management will have to factor that kind of stuff in. Like, what is the personality of our team? And I think when you're choosing a captain, you have to look at that stuff too. What, what's the personality of my club? What's the personality of my coach? What, you know, what's the personality of the potential leaders on my team? And where do I want that to go? And how does everything fit in? And um, I think you have two interesting examples there, Jared Spurgeon and Marcus Foligno. I, I think they'd lead two completely different Absolutely. ways. And, you know, you've got to gauge the club. And um, I, I haven't thought about it enough to know what I like what leadership style I think would would work best with this club, but it's certainly trending in a younger direction and um, yeah it, it, it's interesting, but the wild are certainly staring down that decision uh, probably sooner rather than later. It is funny you know Spurge better than all of us, but he uh, talking about flashing his personality during the pandemic he joins Instagram. He just said to me on the phone he goes he goes, yeah uh, Kaprizov told me on Sunday night that I was sign that he was signing with the Wild, so it's the first ever scoop I had over you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, thanks. Don't be afraid to send me a text message and say, "Hey, I got something for you." Right. Um, but it, 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 you know, it's funny. It's like we're finally seeing the real Spurge, you know, which is kind of fun from a beat writer's perspective because if he is the next captain, it's like you know now that the type of relationship you're going to have with him. Right, and I think that's that. You know. 
next year could be a big year for him too. I think it's the first year of that deal. And as we see him get more and more comfortable and yeah, I mean, when you know Jared behind the scenes and you go to dinner with him on the road off and uh, you, you understand that he, he is a, he's a witty guy and he's smart and he's funny and uh, he, he can be outgoing at times. And um, I think as next year plays out on this new deal, we'll see more and more of that, and it's only going to be a positive thing. Yeah, he was just uh, saying, I mean, it's going to be weird for him. He's going to be playing this hub situation in Edmonton, and his family, his wife and his kids are still up there, and he was having to try to explain, like his son Zach was saying to him, like, like, oh, this is going to be so cool, we can have dinner with you. And he's like, well, I can wave to you from the window. <laughs> like, yeah. I, we can't actually, like, even though I'm going to right around the corner, we can't ever see each other, you know, unless the Wild go to the conference finals and family shows up. And I was thinking about that. Like, does Edmonton have a little bit of a competitive advantage being, you know, there? Um, they say the bubble's going to be tight and nobody's going to be able to sneak in or out. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought it might actually be harder knowing that you're like three miles from your wife and kids and family and Absolutely. everybody. And the struggles of a family are real, right? And mm-hmm. they're they're two miles away, but you're handcuffed and can't help. And it's almost more frustrating. It'd be easier if you're... If you're in a different country and you can say, honey, I wish there's something I could do to help you, but I can't. Absolutely. Um, I, I think that that's going to be tough for some of these guys. I mean, Edmonton for sure. I don't know I don't know their team makeup in terms of, you know, if they have families. But everybody's going to have people that they're going to want to communicate with and have them just be down the road and, and not be able to. That's going to be challenging. Yeah, no doubt. We're talking with Ryan Carter from Delwood Country Club. This is Michael Russo. You're listening to Straight from the Source. To subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash straight from the source will get you in for 40% off. Um, we've been uh, so far two days into training camp. Um, from a former player's p- perspective, what is it like seeing them in the middle of the summer? I mean, you've seen so many training camps in your day. Are they stepping right into this like this is a normal training camp that we see in September? Or does this look like a, t- like a situation where guys are just like picking up where they left off if this was the regular season? Well, I will say after two days, I think I think Dean has done a really good job. I think yesterday was all about just getting on the ice, getting some flow, getting a good sweat, a nice hard skate, but making sure because you have to be really cognizant and mindful that you're not injuring guys. Um, you don't have a bunch of exhibition games, and you know it, it's also different too because veterans can't just dip their toe like they used to. Like you've you've got to go from zero to 60 in two weeks and how are you going to do that and how are you going to do it safely and yesterday it seemed like it was more about being together getting a good skate having some fun and kind of building camaraderie around team because and talking to dean he felt that that's the competitive advantage for the club going forward or who's going to be the better club who's going to win is going to be who comes together first and he liked the feeling around the club when it went on the pause and they had to work and build to that and i think he wants to get to that spot where there's that feeling in the room, everybody's playing together, and maybe that's the most important thing more than who's in the best shape or you know whose skills or structure is there right off the bat. So, um, but today we saw Dean blow the whistle when things got a, a little bit a sloppy, times. and 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 I, and I like that. Yeah, um, where there's a little bit of accountability. Okay, I'm, I'm going to get the summer hockey out of your game right now. Um, if your pass isn't on the tape, I'm going to call you out, and that doesn't matter if you're Jerry Mayhew or Zach Parisi. Like execute you're a pro we've got two weeks let's go um so in that regard i i like the seriousness of the camp um uh, the the workload i've never seen i mean i've never been in this situation where i have to be ready to go in two weeks coming off of (laughs) summer um i know usually 
when I would go to camp, it's like really exciting the first week or two because you haven't seen everybody for a long time. Everybody loves hockey. They've got the good summer tan going. It's not as serious, so you're playing a little golf while you're going to camp and you're hanging out. But it, it seems that the mentality right now is getting a little bit more strict um, off of the bat. And um, it, you know, I'll be I'll keep a close eye on the workload. The regular training camp they have the three hour rule. Right. And I can remember early in my camps that we'd le- we'd legitimately be on the ice for three hours, like working, skating, um, getting our conditioning down. And I think it's also wise of Dean to recognize that a lot of these guys, their conditioning's upwards of 85, 90% of what it can be 12 months out of the year. So to get that extra 10%, that's possible to achieve in two weeks. Um, so. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that, that's something I'll keep an eye on. Yeah, and Spurge was just saying that Dean's done a really good job recognizing that everybody's in a different situation. You know, he's like he, – he pointed out to me, he's like you, you take the Swedish players, for example, including Fiala, who lives in Sweden, but Brodin, Eriksenek, and Rass, they've had a head start on everybody's skating, but then all of a sudden they got here and they had a quarantine for two weeks, not even leave their apartments. And so, all of a, you know, they you quickly lose that hockey shape, and Dean's trying to make sure that these guys don't get hurt. Yeah, exactly. And you want to be careful because, I mean, for the most part, every team's going to be healthy. You you should have a, a, your full slate. And the last thing you'd want to do is in a practice because you overworked some guys that were sitting on their couch for two weeks doing what they're supposed to, pull a groin or have some soft tissue injury that, you know, now they've got to sit out a couple of weeks, now you're a couple more weeks behind. Um, so certainly, th- I mean, that's important. And that's smart of Dean to recognize that guys are coming in at different spots and, and not treating everybody the same. As, as a former player, what do you think of this new rule for this uh, tournament where the league is now going to announce if you're either unfit to practice or unfit to play, uh, whether it's an injury or illness, because they want to, quote, respect the privacy of players that might contract COVID. You know, from my perspective, it seems silly because if Ryan Carter goes out t- tonight and sprains his ankle in a game or in practice, now all of a sudden people are going to be like, oh, does he have COVID? He's unfit to play. <laughs> like, it almost seems like I, it just it seems weird to me. It's not like these pl- it's, it's we're in a global pandemic. If they get sick, they get sick. It doesn't it's not like they're catching some venereal disease or something. You know, and I, I, I'm I, not privy on all of that. Like, in other words, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. Right, of, of catching it. Yeah. But what I think is is maybe they'd like to control the messaging outside of this too because this is unique. Now, I think you also have to factor in that there are eight teams that, are, that aren't playing right mm-hmm. now. And uh, they have potential free agents on that club or RFAs on those clubs. And now you have guys that are playing, not playoff games, but play-in games. And what happens if they get hurt? And... You know, now I'm exposed. I tear my ACL as a as a UFA in one of these play-in games, and now I'm competing for a job against somebody else. Like maybe they can control the information on mm-hmm. what kind of injury goes out, and and I don't know if they want that information. And, and and certainly, I think it does have to do with COVID, but I think it has to do with other business stuff as well. Right. Um, again, you're listening to Straight from the Source. This is Michael Russo. Um, to subscribe to the Athletic, theathletic.com slash Straight from the Source. And here's a word from one of our sponsors. Hey, if you know me, you know I don't care about looking good, but I love to smell great. Well, I'm here to tell you that Hawthorne smells really, really great, and it's so easy to get. You just go to hawthorne.co. You can get for yourself, or if you forgot Father's Day last month, well, you can get for your dad or your uncle or your husband, and he'll be very, very happy. I can't tell you how many times I put on Hawthorne, and even a fellow sports writer says, boy, Russo, you smell great. Hawthorne has more than cologne, too. You can get virtually any sort of personalized product like deodorant, shampoo, or body wash. 
And here's how it works. You just go to the site, you take a quick two-minute quiz, and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you, one for work and one for play. It's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. Um, Ryan, so let me ask you this. Just again, watching um, practice today, how uh, last couple of days, the one thing that is very clear to me is how good guys like Miko Koivu, Eric Stahl, even Doobie look. Um, you know, how much do you think that having this much time off for somebody that for players that are in their 30s might actually help these guys? Uh, you know, everybody's fresh, everybody's healthy, as you mentioned. But, you know, guys that might have looked a little tired at the end, like Eric Stahl, how much does it help them? I think I think it'll help a lot, um, and, and mentally too. I think the physical side of it, uh, you know, these guys' bodies, they should be feeling good. But mentally, they'll be fresh too, because there can be a lot that that grinds on you. And Miko Koivu is a perfect example where right now he's slotted on the fourth line in the middle, where I think mentally that would have worn on him uh, during the regular season and towards the end, you know. And and he tries to be a good pro and he's a good captain, but still internally you have that drive and you want to be better. You want to play. You want to be that top line guy. Um, and that that stress can wear you down, and then you don't sleep as well after games, and physically you break down. But coming in a spot like this, a little bit mentally fresher, your body's fresher. I think it's going to help those guys a lot. Do you um, again, former player, somebody that that played a hard nosed style um, that I'm sure got a lot of jolt from the fans, especially in the playoffs. Um, you know, I think back to your Devils uh, run to the to the to the Cup Finals, and you scoring the huge goal and and things like that. What will it what will it be like from an intensity standpoint for these fan these players once they get to Edmonton? Actually, suit up for real. You have no fans in the crowd. W- will they realize right away this is the playoffs, or will it be tough to gain that motivation? I think. You know, you make a really good point, and, and I do believe that playing without fans is going to neutralize the effectiveness of a third and fourth line where there are spots in these series, and more specifically series than individual games, where a third and fourth line can have a massive impact because they can go out there with a physical play and change momentum, not just in the current game or period that they're at, but really they can change entire series. Um, without fans in there and home ice to you know to jump on your back and rally when you make that big hit. Let's say you target their star and you lay them out, and ordinarily that would get the building on its feet, and then all of a sudden momentum has changed. Right, you're gonna lay their star out, and he's gonna get up, and he's gonna skate to his bench. He's gonna be out for his next shift, and all you're gonna hear is yeah. stick taps on the ice from your bench. Yeah, and it's just gonna be hard to carry and maintain momentum. Um, in a physical aspect, I believe, like possession of the puck is probably going to be more important now than ever before because uh, for that reason, like it's just going to be tough to change momentum. And I think those guys that, you know, have carved out a living understanding those spots and when to be physical, when to take a stance, how to change mm-hmm. a series, you know, um, in those moments, they might just not be there. Yeah. Well, remember the game in Arizona when Marcus Foligno had the big game, not only offensively, didn't he have a couple of huge hits that turned that entire game around uh, this year? I mean, that's the type of stuff that you're talking about where you're not having that 
the and and that felt like a home game by the way because there were so many wild fans in the crowd in Arizona but you don't have that now exactly now it's just like all right I hit them <laughs> yeah exactly or you start off on the road and you lose your first two games or it's one one you come back home and you're like okay I want to make sure that uh, they know that this building is going to be tough to play in and I'm mm-hmm. going to get the crowd in it early. So I don't care that there's a puck out there for the first 10 minutes of this game. I'm going to hit everything and everybody's going to get excited when I'm out there running around like a chicken with my head cut off. It's not going to work. Yeah. Right? It, it might work in, in in the sense that the players that you're playing against are going to say, okay, this guy is like, a, he's like an oversized gnat right now. You know, he's annoying me, but I don't think that momentum is going to shift as quickly as it does during, you know, ordinary playoffs here. Yeah, yeah. You're um that run that you had, obviously you you won a Stanley Cup in Anaheim, but the run that you had with New Jersey had to be the most fun time you've ever had as a pro. I mean, you you and your conference finals, you had a couple of huge goals. Didn't you score the, did you score uh, a series, the series clincher in that 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 uh or I know you had an you had a couple of huge goals, right? Yeah, no, it it was it's probably the most satisfying run uh in stretch of hockey of my career. Um uh the the plays I think you're alluding to is game five, game five in the East final against Rangers, which is a huge rivalry, Devils Rangers. Uh, We went up three, nothing. They came back tied at three, three Madison square garden was the roof was blowing off the place. And with like, I can't remember, maybe three, four or five minutes left. uh, I end up scoring the game winner and you could hear a pin drop in MSG. And it was, uh, it was probably the coolest. I don't like silence, but it was probably the coolest silence <laughs> that uh, that I've ever heard. Um, and then, yeah, we went on in Game Six to win the series in Game Six, and I scored uh, the first goal of Game Six as well. So, yeah, nice that's right. Yeah, yep. I was talking to Parisi about that recently. Actually, that you know, he said it was it was you know probably your finest moment as a pro. Yeah, yeah, that 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 entire stretch was. Um, you know, my back was against the wall too. I was with Jersey. Um, I didn't have a great regular season. My contract was up, and as a fourth line guy, if you're not on a club that wins, uh, you're, you're likely going to be wearing a different jersey. Um, they, they've got to change something, and a lot of times you can't change eight to twelve year deals. You can't yeah. turn those over, yeah. so they're going to turn over what they can to try yeah. to change what's going on in Get that room. Get rid of Kolvachuk. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so you know that you're likely going to be turned over. Um, so I understood that I needed a good playoff, and. Um, Things uh, it, they worked out. Things went well, and uh, it was really rewarding. Put a little pressure on Lou. I'm sure he felt it. Yeah, right? he felt tons <laughs> of pressure. <laughs> um, Kaprizov Club on Twitter asked, "The 2015 Stadium Series is one of the greatest regular season games in Wild history. What was it like to play in it? And do you consider it one of your best moments of your career? You scored a big goal that game, right? You, Vanek, who else scored that game? Uh, I think Palmer scored. Halsey scored. Yeah. Um, I think Dums. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there was a sixth goal. I uh, can't remember. Yeah, a yeah. heater maybe or something. I can't remember. Yeah, he, Heatley didn't play. Um, okay. Yeah. Maybe Halsey had two. At the end yeah. Of the yeah. Had two. Yeah. Okay. Uh, was it one of your favorite uh, moments? I mean. Yeah. Yeah. It was for a couple of reasons. I had two daughters at that time. And uh, for me, it was really special to, in, in my opinion, that was probably, now there had been some big games in wild history in the playoffs, but, um, you know, playing outside, in Minnesota, where I grew up, I grew up playing the game outside, um, and in a wild jersey in St. Paul. My family's from St. Paul. I mean, obviously TCF was in Minneapolis, but the St. Paul club. Um, it it really was a big deal to me, and I wanted to play well, and uh, it it was a lot of fun and rewarding for so many different reasons. Uh, I got to share it with the kids, the 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 pictures that I have, and just my gear after, or just 
just the sweaty, dirty clothes with eye black on with my cute <laughs> little daughters is probably one of my favorite images uh, of my playing days. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – hopefully the winter class happens this year and not postponed, but it's going to be fun to just see that. Um, a North Dakota guy living in Texas asks, uh, how do you and Moose get along after the brutal fight you two got into? Well, we get along just fine. He knows I've gotten a lot tougher since then, so he respects <laughs> me much more now. Um, no, yeah, just fine. I think I think a lot of people struggle to understand this, that uh, it's going out there and fighting is uh, it's a job. It's it's not like there's really resentment towards the other individual. Now, on, on some instances, that is the case, you know, um, where you really don't like the other person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say 90% of the time, it's it's a job and you're understanding I've, I've got a job to do. And, um, Marcus and I, I mean, Marcus, obviously he's a good pro and a good human. So, um, it, it's been a non-issue. Um, I think if anybody was going to carry resentment about it, it'd be me. Cause I'm the one that got my butt kicked and, and <laughs> I, I don't. So it's, uh, and it's not like any beat writers bring it up to you all the time, right? Yeah. It never comes up. No. So <laughs> do you, um, you, you know, last time that you and I did the podcast, it was before last regular season. It was in training camp. And we were talking about all the work that you were doing to prepare for the play by play for for your new role as color analyst and how nervous you were and how how nervous Wes was. Then you got to do it uh, throughout the year. You were very, you know, the fans loved it. I think it added some humor and things like that. Um, now looking back on it, um, you know, are you the ref- are you the finished product or do you think that it's gonna you're gonna have to start back up again? And how weird is it gonna be to be doing this now potentially from a studio? Yeah, for for me, it's I just kind of shake my head a little bit. It's like, oh man, I'm I'm just starting to get the hang of this, and everything goes on pause, and now I'm going to be doing it in a completely different setting behind a microphone. And but I think in the end, it will be really a positive because uh, reflecting on broadcasting last year, th- there was so much that I needed to learn. Um, and again. I hadn't gone to school or anything for this, so it's just fly by the seat of your <laughs> pants and learn, right? Right. Um, it's just showing your personality, basically. Right. And and uh, but even even the structure of it, how do you prepare? What do you talk about? You know, um, you know, even just little things like getting used to somebody talking in your ear or fitting your your thoughts into a time frame, and there, there's just lots that went into it and lots to think about. And as some of those things become second nature, um, I, I was comfortable reviewing the work, and it's like, okay, well, there's plenty of instances where I need more energy. I need to be louder and um, trying to practice that stuff. And I, I think that the situation going forward where if we have, if the RSNs, uh, Regional Sport Networks, Fox Sports North, have the opportunity to broadcast some of these games, uh, it'll be really good practice and experience to try to put yourself into the game we won't have the energy of the fans that i can feel and help project my voice i'll have to create that on my own and it'll just be good to cognitively have to think of that and practice that but um yeah i think it'll be it'll be hard so you um almost like a player when you're going over your shifts you did that essentially with your broadcast as well Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, you have to. You're your own. You're your own harshest critic. Just like as a player, you go watch your shifts. You know all the little mistakes you made. And after a broadcast, you got to go back and listen to and say, "Well, I wish I would have slowed down there. I wish, you know, I had this point I wanted to make in the first period, and it really would have. It really would have set things up great for this play that happened in the second period. But I didn't make it, and now I want to fit that in. And you know, there's all corns, uh, all kinds of little nuanced things that you, that I would review and try to work on to get better. It seemed like again the fans uh, liked a lot of uh, what you and Wes brought to it, 
But do you also like a player almost have to have a little bit of a thin skin, uh, you know, with Twitter now that, you know, you are going to have now the direct access of a fan sitting at home that's going to, you know, comment on something you said or a point you made? Well, that, that's one that's where I do say hockey has probably prepared me more uh, for this job in the sense that not not that it taught me a lot about hockey and, and you know, I have experience in it, but that my skin got thick because a lot of people tell you you're not that good of a player and you just got to go out and play and you know you just learn that uh you just got to be tough and put it aside and do your best and um certainly with broadcast there are going to be some people out there that are going to roast you a little bit on on uh you know twitter or wherever it might be but you gotta understand that you're doing your best and if uh somebody doesn't like it, it doesn't mean you're a bad person and that's what it's about at the end of the day it's like just because I stink at broadcasting doesn't make me a bad person, but at least I tried, right? <laughs> yeah, right. It's like fighting. Just because I get beat up all the time doesn't make me a bad person. I just stink <laughs> at it. Um, again, we're listening to this straight from the source. Uh, a couple more minutes with uh, Ryan Carter. Um, again, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com, straight from the source. Not only articles galore, and, and I'm telling you, this week it's been just amazing the amount of stories that we've already had from our 50-some-odd hockey writers, but we have great podcasts. Not only Ryan Carter here on Straight from the Source, but Lindy Ruff, the new head coach in the New Jersey Devils, uh, my old pal from when I covered him with Florida. Last time I saw him was actually at the Renaissance by Madison Square Garden this year because all the Rangers players and coaches stay there on game days. But uh, he joined Scott Burnside and guest co-host Eric DeHatchik on Two Man Advantage this week um, at The Athletic. And Craig Custon seeks advice on the, his Norris uh, Trophy ballot. He enlisted uh, Nick Benino of the Nashville Predators, who makes the case for Roman Yossi, James Reimer of the Carolina uh, Hurricanes, who discusses the long shot Jacob Slavin, and Brendan Dillon of the Washington Capitals, talks about the favorite John Carlson on this week's episode of the full 60 at The Athletic. And by the way, if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, um, I cannot even convey to you how many people here in the Twin Cities uh, listen to Straight from the Source. So if you're a local businessman or a businesswoman that owns a store here in the Twin Cities and wants to promote uh, your product or your business, um, this is where our listeners are, are in and around. So what better way to promote your business? Uh, please go to uh, theathletic.com slash podcast ads if you want to advertise on the show. Again, theathletic.com slash podcast ads. Uh, you go to that site. You can fill out a little simple form, and we'll get back to you right away. So, again, theathletic.com slash podcast ads. Um, again, Ryan, uh, one of the funny things that you've brought to the Wild uh, in this new role is not just a uh, color analyst, but but uh, your role on wild.com is is your personality. Uh, we've long known you as kind of a funny guy. Those who have covered you in the NHL, um, you've had some funny experiences on Instagram too, <laughs> oh, uh, starting oh, in a uh, elevator at the Ritz yeah. in Boston. Uh, but a couple weeks ago, one of my favorite Instagram stories that I've ever seen was you documenting on Instagram you running out of gas after you <laughs> went and visited, I think, Parisi at Velocity. Yeah. Yep. Um, tell us the whole story. Uh. And just by the way, uh, you're very tan right now, but you are blushing when I bring this up. Yeah, no. It, so uh, my my pickup. <laughs> the the now I'm going to sound like a mechanic, but I don't know it. The fuel sending unit on my pickup went out, so I couldn't tell the gas gauge. I brought it to the mechanic, and the mechanic ordered a new fuel pump. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I brought the truck in to get repaired, and he said, "Well, I thought you had a 32 gallon tank. You only have a 26 gallon tank." So the fuel pump for this one doesn't work. We've got a we've got a 
I've got to order another piece. It's not going to be here for five days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So within that time frame, he's like, keep your gas tank empty because I got to drop your whole tank to fix this. So I've been sitting in my car for like, it was like a week and change trying to mathematically figure out <laughs> how many miles I've been driving, <laughs> averaging out 18 miles a gallon or whatever it is. And I have this piece of paper. I'll send you a picture of it, of all the mileage that I was driving and documenting it so that I could know how much gas is in my tank, but also keep it low. So when the part comes in, I can get it repaired and right. it's easier for the mechanic. Well, that day I drove all the way out to Velocity. I didn't realize it's 70 miles away from my house. <laughs> <laughs> in Velocity, it's probably like 35. But um, on 494, I wasn't even close to home. I was still like 20-something miles away from home. So my math was off. I was, yeah, my math was off. Um <laughs> So I run out of gas at 494, uh, 25 miles from home, and I just pull off on the exit ramp because literally my car just shut down. And I was like, what just happened? And I was like, I bet I ran out of gas. And I tried to start the car, and it wouldn't start. So uh, I was just like, well, this is embarrassing, but I'm going to run. I, I, I got no choice. I didn't know if I, I didn't have a mask or something to get an Uber. So I had to run to the gas station. It was like two point something miles to the gas station. I, I should have taken pictures, but I had a blister on each inside, outside, and heel of both feet from trying to run. I'm not a runner. Um, I ended up getting a gallon of gas, actually two gallons of gas, filling the truck back up. But it was uh, just convenient. I knew exactly where you were because you went to the Bob and Ted's right on France, right? France and 494. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stevens or something. Yeah, Stevens. Bob and Steve's. Steve's, Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's exactly where I went. I was on the next exit on Penn, and I had to run all the way back around through the neighborhoods to get that one. Unbelievable. Oh, just leaking. I was going into the gas station. Yeah, it was like the hottest day of the summer. (laughs) It was was, I was leaking all over, and I was like, can I get this gas tank? And they're like, yeah, what's wrong with you? <laughs> the, the looks I had crossing France with a gas tank. Did anybody that. recognize you? No, and that's what I was most afraid of. I was like, this is where all the guys live. If anybody sees me running right yeah. now with a gas can, it's going to be more. I told this story once when I started doing TV on uh, FSM. Um, this, somebody uh, tweeted me and said that uh, it's because I have rosacea on my cheeks. They said, they said uh, you look like a clown or something on FSN. So um, after I blocked that person off Twitter, I, I went and the next day bought makeup. And as I'm at the Galleria buying makeup, <laughs> I look out the freaking uh, store and I see one of the wild players walk by and look in and the woman is like honestly giving me a tutorial on how to put on makeup and it was at that I think the Mercury or something there and one of the wild and and I ran after that player and he's like I'll just hold this uh, in my back pocket <laughs> and I'm like, like like he's like he goes this might come out at some point but it, right now it's between you and me I'm like yeah please oh that's so good it was it was just uh, it was hilarious but um. So you, uh, so again, you buy the one one gallon tank. You run back now to your car. Yeah. And so, did you then do the smart thing and go immediately gas up, or do you, as you said on Twitter, roll the dice? Yeah, I roll the dice. Drive, drive back to White Bear Lake. I rolled the dice. You didn't. Yeah. So I had two. It was two gallons, and I I was like, okay, if I filled that thing up with two gallons, I had to look at the receipt. I only put like one point seven gallons in it because I uh-huh. filled it all the way up. Um, I was like, okay, yeah, on the math, yeah, 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 I've got about 30-something miles. I'm only 25 from home. I think I can get there. And I went 494. I ended up, well, one, let's, let's talk about that gas can for a second. How can they engineer? How can somebody engineer, like, like all this equipment, everything we have, vehicles, you name it, but we cannot come up with a gas can that doesn't spill any gas. Like, yeah. I was spilling gas all over the place, <laughs> and I was like, no, it's like liquid gold. No, I mean this. <laughs> 
<laughs> just leaking everywhere. The can- oh, it was terrible. Um, but so I drove through St. Paul. There was a little bit of traffic, so I didn't know how that would factor in. I made it all the way to Maryland before I chickened out, and I pulled off on Maryland and grabbed some gas there. But <laughs> I made it three quarters of the way home before I was like, you know what, this isn't worth it. I'm not. Yeah, running, I'm not again. running again. Yeah. Let's see, Christopher asks, uh, with changing of the seed as Spurgeon or Felino, what would you think of Billy removing the A's from 11 and 20 to give them to whichever player isn't captain? And maybe a Cunning and Eck or Fiala. I mean, that might be a little bit of a harsh thing to do that, you know, why go through the, the effort? What do you think? Yeah, and, and I'm not for stripping uh, assistant captains away. Um, I, you know, those guys are still leaders at the end of it. I think if if they've done something detrimental or they've they've shown that they're not, you know, of leadership, mm-hmm. you know, caliber or personality or role, then maybe you'd consider that. But I don't think either one of them have shown, you know, like they're not fit to lead. So I don't know why you would take something away from them other than trying to make a statement, which I don't I, – it's hard for me to think yeah, of something Yeah, to me the positive. only way that would make sense is if you said to them, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to rotate the A. Like you have yeah. it, you guys have it at home, but we really want to get these young guys thinking that they are going to have some leadership on this team. So on the road, maybe we rotated on the, some of the young guys. You know, I think that would be the only reason to ever do something like that. Yeah, and I don't think of – I can't think of any reason why it would be a positive. Like yeah. if you're going to make a move, you, you, you want to make a move. That's what I used to say to people that would be in the strip to see category for Miko. It's like wh- wh- what's the point of humiliating a guy that right. gives his all every single day? I mean it's not – you know, it takes one more – one more, you know, more than one person to lead a team to a cup. And, yeah. You know, it's just – there's nothing to be gained for that. All and, you're doing is absolutely alienating him. And what's the benefit? And behind closed doors, uh, you know – the leaders in the locker room lead regardless of whether they have a patch or not. And sometimes you have personalities and people within that locker room where maybe they need a letter uh, or something on their jersey uh, to help, I don't know, maybe give them the confidence to lead or, or to say things, speak up in, in critical times. Uh, but I've been in situations too where th- there's other ways to go about that. And in Jersey, there, there was a leadership group. So there would be the three letters, and then there would be three to four other guys, and they made the team decisions. So, hey, coach, we need a day off. And it was the leadership group that went in there. So you don't have to rotate a letter to give a kid or somebody else that experience. You just include them in a leadership group where it's not the whole club sitting in the locker room saying, hey, coach, we need a day off. You go in in a quiet meeting with the coaches and say, hey, we've been on the grind for a while. We need a day. And that's just one instance but the leadership group makes the decision on schedule when when you want to leave for a certain um you know game or there's a gap in between games should we go home where should we go if you include the leadership group and you include these guys that you think are potential leadership candidates for the future a guy like luke cunnan or somebody i think that's uh yeah. that's good enough yeah. by the way if you uh didn't see, hear my podcast last week with ryan donato he talks really um, a lot about Miko Koivu and Zach Parisi and some of the guys that he really uh, looks up to on the Minnesota Wild. Uh, last couple of minutes, I swear to God, with uh, with Ryan Carter, his uh, tacos are getting uh, they're getting warm. That's how uh, <laughs> getting cold anymore. Um, just a couple more questions. Uh, D- Dylan Luke says, uh, "Who's the funniest Wild teammate you ever played with, and why?" Well, it probably has to be it probably has to be Alex Stalock. I mean, so yesterday we're doing a Zoom with um, with. Uh, with um, Kevin Fiala, and 
I get I don't you've probably been in the locker room. I don't know if you have where they wherever they're setting it up. The only thing we can hear while we're talking to Fiala is Staylock in the background, like just <laughs> yelling. Yeah, you know, it was just like he, I don't know who he was talking to or what, but it was just typical. You know? Yeah, well, he certainly has ADD and he runs around, but uh, he's really he's got a great sense of humor and so much energy in that he's always ribbing. Like he's he'll be ribbing six people at one time, and it's hard for you to keep up, you know, with his inside, you know, his inside jokes and everything. But uh, once you're around him, you understand that it's pretty funny. He's comical. Another guy that was that was sneaky funny was Keith Ballard as well. Yeah, so, yeah, he's sneaky funny too. So, um, but those two guys probably are the most funny. That's a great question from uh, Dylan. Uh, he also asked, uh, "What's your favorite golf course? You have one?" Yeah, my favorite golf course. Um, Boy, if I don't say, can I, do I have to say Delwood? No, you don't. You don't have to. <laughs> uh, it's probably tied at the top. Um, uh, Stone Ridge, I really like Stone Ridge. I like the link style golf course. Um, I don't know why I play. Actually, I do know why I like that course. I play my best golf out there. Um, and I'm not sure if it's because I know the course or what it is, but that course I'll be a handful of strokes better than any other course, and uh, for that reason it's probably my favorite. Do you think, uh, like, if you are a hockey player, does that just make you good at golf or no? I don't think it makes you good at golf. I think you just have like an innate understanding of your hands, and a lot of the golf swing is just timing and hands. And you know, you think about taking a one timer. Um, you just you just have practiced over the years without knowing it how to how to use your hands and turn them over and do certain things that just translates right into a golf swing. Right. But no, because I'm I'm a, I play hockey left handed, but I golf right handed. So it's the exact opposite side, opposite swing, opposite eye. Um, and so you are right handed normally. I throw a ball right handed. Okay. Yeah. Um, How about right? I write right right-handed. Yep. yep. So it's always interesting to me. It's just uh, I think uh, like a lot of people sometimes if you're a new novice to hockey, you don't realize that most guys that shoot left are righties and guys that shoot right, right are lefties, and they they don't seem to get it. Yeah. So my, well, I'm I was one of those people. My nobody in my family had ever played hockey, so I'm like to my folks, I'm like I want to play hockey. And my old man's like, all right. So he goes and gets me a stick. He gets me a righty. Uh-huh. And I'm, he got it playing the wrong way. He keeps hollering at me for like two, three, four weeks. He's right. like, turn your stick around. Yep, I was yep. like, dead. This is the way I play. You yep. bought the wrong stick. Yep. A couple more minutes uh, with uh, Ryan Carter. By Ryan, Ryan, this is Andrew McCain. Andrew, uh, PJ golfer. Last event was would have been the Honda Classic until uh, the pandemic destroyed your <laughs> Now he's teaching out here at Delwood. So, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast and want uh, – Want golf lessons? Uh, Andrew McCain's in town, uh, Delwood. Uh, so a couple more uh, minutes with Ryan. Just lastly, uh, once they get to Edmonton, Vancouver Canucks, Minnesota Wild. Um, you know, I, I look. I love this matchup for Minnesota. If they get goaltending from whether it's Al or Doobie, I think they could beat Vancouver easily. Yeah, I agree that. Uh, I mean, and uh, I've, I'm more focusing on the Wild game than than comparing them to Vancouver. I mean, I like it. I like that Vancouver is younger. I do think the the team that gets to structure fastest. Uh, likely has an advantage, um, and I think that you know the veteran experience will get them to structure a little bit quicker. Um, we we know, I mean, obviously the wild card is goaltending in in a five game series right off the bat like that. Whoever's goaltender is probably hottest has the best chance right now, and the wild do a really good job shutting things down and not giving up danger, dangerous opportunities right in front of their net. So um, if, if they can get to that structure, limit those dangerous chances, yeah, I, I mean, I really like their oper- or, or the, you know their chances against Vancouver. And 
Um, but I will say, having listened to some of the media outlets out of Vancouver, they really like playing against the Wild too. Yeah, so I know. It, it should set up to be a pretty yeah. good series. Do you, do you, I mean, the one thing that is is I think fair to say is that the Wild should not get in a position where they're going to trade chances with that team, right? I mean, they are up front when you got guys like J.T. Miller, Besser, Horvat, Pedersen. Um, you know, and it's interesting that you said to me that the third and fourth lines could be kind of nullified with no crowd because that's where I do think the Wild have up front the edge on Vancouver. But if it's nullified, it's nullified. Um, the way the Wild are going to need to win is get great goaltending, really quality play from their blue line, but then just forecheck the heck out of them, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. And and I I still think that depth will will be important because they've got two to three weeks to get themselves in shape and. I think, what is it, games three and four or back-to-back? Yep. So all of a sudden now you're at a critical point in the series, and if your depth is better, uh, no, they can't go change momentum, but um, if they're a little bit fresher, a little bit deeper, a little bit better, I think that could be, you know, that's an advantage for them as well too. But, yeah, I think you're going to want to stay out of the box against these guys. I think Elias Patterson is really dangerous on the power play. Brock Besser, obviously, he can shoot the puck. they got JT Miller, who's a threat, and Quinn Hughes. He can walk the blue line with the best of them, despite the fact he's just a rookie. So, um, yeah, you don't want to – you don't want to – open this one up um they're they're i think they're a little bit more skilled at least on the top end um but um again it's an it's an interesting series and it's exciting but i I really do like the wilds chances yeah well um i really do appreciate it you know one of the stories i want to do uh during this uh little play and round is actually since i'm going to be in town here is behind the scenes and watching you and LaPanta work off a of TV. That's going to be just fascinating right. to watch. So uh, you'll be seeing a lot more of me. And uh, again, uh, Ryan, really do appreciate it. I want to make sure that you can hit the gas station on your way home as well. Um, let's see. Check out the comments section for each podcast episode at the Athletic uh, app. And don't forget to rate and subscribe to Straight From The Source on Apple. If you click on the show URL, theathletic.com slash straight from the source, you'll get 40% subscription thanks ryan i'll allow you to eat now all right i'm gonna take a picture of this this is awesome all All right right. thank you you.